0: The Paul Kuharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003.
1: Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast, postseason edition. And by postseason, I don't mean playoffs any longer. I mean after the season. I'm sorry. I know that still saddens you, and it's understandable. Uh, I come to you from the home office in Brentwood, Tennessee. Uh, And I bring you a special guest and a sounding board for us to review everything. Mostly the roster. David Beauclair, longtime friend of mine, been around since the beginning of this team in this town. uh, Expert on many things Nashville, but solely focused on this team. This season, as he's joined SI.com, David Beauclair. Nice to have you. Thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, it's good to be with you. I've been thinking about it all these years as colleagues and friends. I don't know that we've ever done much radio or TV or podcast or any kind of media together. So this will be
1: be entertaining. You are also uh, a weekly guest on uh, Wake Up Zone. Forgive me for not knowing your day. On my Thursday, Thursday,
0: Thursday mornings from seven to eight central time.
1: Yes. Early, early morning guy where I do the midday one eighty, from 10 to two, as you guys know. So he's Thursday morning. If you're an all day listener or you should have appointment listening there as I clearly don't, cause I'm not that much of a morning guy. And also I try not to listen to too much other sports talk radio because it then, uh, causes me to kind of, uh, answer too much. And then people don't realize what I'm doing. And I realize what I'm doing and it gets me into trouble. So that's the answer for that. David, let's talk about this roster uh, after what we've just seen. And I'm going to splash around positions a little bit and we'll see where they, uh, where we think they should be headed, what kind of shape they're in and what they need to be doing. Uh, see if we have some consensus and, uh, better yet some disagreement. Let's start on the defensive line. Um, Jarrell Casey uh, really thrived uh, at some points this season. Uh, some goal line stand work that was amongst the Titans' best defensive moments this season. Um, really big in New England um, where he keyed that that goal line stand that forced the field goal. That was the difference in the 14-13 lead that the Titans sat on and milked for a long time until – Uh, Logan Ryan's interception at the end, but uh, he's going to be heading into his 10th season next year. Um, A little bit less consistent, and he's worth over $11 million next season. I think that there's an element of the Titans that would like to move away from old. Casey might be the exception to that, or he might be a guy that they think better a year too soon than a year too late. What do you think about his standing with this team
0: yeah I think his I think his standing is is pretty solid just by the fact that he's been a captain what six years in a row now uh you know so i I think his his place in the locker room has to be factored in there and and i think I think at the very least you would look at him and say this is his this is his last year, maybe his last best year, just because he can go through an entire off season of, you know, OTAs mini camp and all that working alongside Jeffrey Simmons and, and sort of giving him the, the sort of tutoring that, that Simmons didn't get this last off season in training camp because he was rehabbing the knee injury all the time. Uh, I, you know, I talked to Jeffrey Simmons the day after the loss to Kansas city and, and, he talked about Casey and how invaluable he was, you know, there, there were some times basically where they're breaking the huddle and, and Simmons is having to look at Casey or Daquan Jones and say, now I'm doing X on this play, right? You know, it, it wasn't like he had, he had everything locked down from the get go. And so I I think, uh, I think from that perspective, you would say he's uh, even, even if, and I think there's a legitimate concern about, Darrell Casey's health at this point because he had the injury that, that caused him to miss the Indianapolis game at the end of 2018. He he talked about being beat up a little bit this year. I mean, that, that's obviously a very physically demanding position that he plays and, and to have played as much as he has, as long as he has, and as well as he has, uh, you know, it, it's reasonable to expect that he's wearing down at this point.
1: I wonder if they might be able to get that 11.25 down, under contract through 2022. I don't see, I don't think he's going to see the end of that. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think he's here, uh, for at least one more year, but he's 30 uh, in this yeah. season, and we know the other side of 30 isn't something that's uh, hugely popular. Jeffrey Simmons, I think, uh, still has a ways to go in terms of recognizing what offensive lines are trying to do to him, but. Heck of a debut against the Chargers. Some really, really impressive moments, some impressive plays, awfully good brute strength. And I think with an offseason focused on football instead of rehab, um, we may see some really impressive things from him in year two and certainly beyond.
0: The thing with Simmons, too, that, that I find interesting is is he reminds me a little bit of Steve McNair when you talk to him and that he understands how gifted he is and and how talented he is. But, but he's not really impressed with himself. He's sort of like, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I do. I go out and I, and I beat the guy in front of me.
1: Yeah, he is kind of nonchalant about it. I'm interested. I, I think he's going to be very good. Daquan Jones was bad, I thought in 2018. And I thought, well, he's going to be a guy that just doesn't plug in to what, uh Mike Vrabel and Dean Pease are asking about, but lo and behold, he did click in. And uh he was a hell of a run defender this year. And um he's gonna be a useful piece for at least one more year on this defense, especially uh in the in the midst of Casey and Simmons. He could do a lot of the dirty work there.
0: Yeah, and a guy who understands his role and, and is comfortable with it. Uh you know, sometimes guys will get a little too caught up in oh you know, I think I can get there and do this. And, and Daquan Jones understands it's, it's his job to occupy blockers and, uh, and just sort of take up space on, on a lot of snaps. And and he does that and does that well. I mean, you look at the, uh, you look at the analytics and much of the year people had him ranked as, as the Titans best player period. And uh, uh, you know, that, that's saying a lot for a guy who, you know, didn't put up big numbers statistically.
1: Austin Johnson became relatively unimportant. Once Jeffrey Simmons emerged, uh, Matt Dickerson, you saw sometimes you didn't see him. Sometimes Isaiah Mack was a hot story coming out of training camp, fell into the doghouse to the point that he was inactive in favor of Joey Ivy, who was then inactive at the end of the year. None of those guys, much of a factor going forward I mean they all have chances to develop into the last guy probably there Johnson's an unrestricted free agent I would think if he costs any kind of money they'd be all right letting him walk wouldn't you well
0: yeah I think it's I think it's in Austin Johnson's best interest to to just go I mean I don't I don't think you consider it a A career failure that he was unable to unseat Jarrell Casey and or Daquan Jones the last couple years but now with Simmons in front of him too I mean this is a guy who was a second round pick taking two spots ahead of Derrick Henry even that you know that's a guy who just needs to see if he can do better elsewhere I I think uh, I think if you're the Titans you just say okay let's go younger cheaper there and and try again
1: yeah, so maybe one of those young guys develops. Maybe they spend one of their six draft picks on a on a defensive lineman. You usually can't go wrong, adding to that position. Um, let's hop to the other side of the ball. Go skill position. AJ Brown was obviously one of the big stories of this team. Phenomenal production from a rookie, rookie wide receiver. We've never seen phenomenal production. From a rookie, I keep saying Wookiee I'm like in a Star <laughs> Star Wars mood. Um, we've never seen that. From I think I counted 29 drafted wide receivers here between Derek Mason and AJ Brown, and Derek Mason it took a couple of years to get going. So this was a phenomenal story. The downside of it was he slowed down at the end, particularly against good defenses particularly against good cornerbacks so you know if you'd say he has one thing to work on it's doing it against the Martian Lattimore or Stefan Gilmore and people like that
0: yeah and and I and I, you know you don't you don't consider that a uh, you know a, a, any sort of failure either it, it I mean it's a it's a feather in his cap that he played well enough that he started to get that kind of attention by the end of the year. And that's, you know, that's sort of the, the growth process for most guys in the NFL. You, uh, you, you, match up well, you start to draw better guys. you got to figure out how to, how to beat better guys. And I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that, uh, that AJ Brown won't continue to get better and, and that he won't be able to play against those types of players by the end of next season.
1: I agree. Now the guy who, uh, Did light up Stephen Stephon Gilmore once upon a time, Corey Davis. (laughs) That's the exception, not the rule. Here's a guy. You can't blame him for being drafted fifth overall. You can blame John Robinson for drafting him fifth overall. Corey Davis, they they can't execute that fifth-year option on him, which means he's going into his last year with this team in, in 2020. We hear a lot about what a great downfield blocker he is, and he is, and he'll make a play here and there. But Corey Davis, for his physical gifts, just doesn't really demand the ball often enough. And it's disappointing that they use such a high value pick on a guy that's, uh, that's somehow a, a little bit of a he's got the meek personality that I always complain about in that group. and And his game is kind of meek in terms of the receiving end of it, not in terms of the blocking end of it.
0: Well, and, and yeah, we, we heard that all year long that he does, he does all the little things and, and you know, there's, there's every reason to, to like the way Corey goes about his business and, and through about the first nine or ten games of the season, if you would look, I mean, the coaches were putting their money where their mouths were that he was getting more snaps every game than than any other wide receiver and in some cases by a significant number and then the last it was like the last five or six games or so aj brown was the guy getting the most snaps among the wide receivers and that you know that that told you everything about uh, about aj brown's development there and uh, it, it's nice that Corey Davis does all the little things well, but you know to your point, Paul, as, as the fifth overall pick in the draft, you need to be doing some big things and uh, and after three years, we just haven't seen big things from this guy, and uh, he He is a guy you probably could say well he'd be you know he'd be nice to have around for a fifth year but but not at the at the the salary number that a, a fifth year option is going to demand for him.
1: 43 catches, 601 yards in the regular season, two touchdowns. Never been a big touchdown guy in the NFL. And that's the second leading receiver on this team. But, again, 43 catches for your second leading receiver when he's a fifth overall pick doesn't, doesn't cut it. Now, the fifth leading receiver on this team was Tajay Sharp. Now, you want to talk about kind of like a, the opposite of Corey Davis. To me, Tajay Sharp's 25 catches, super valuable. You get twice as many touchdowns out of those catches for the guy, when you need him, he's there. He makes catches. Uh, you know, he could disappear for a long stretch if you don't need him when you call on him. Hey, there he is making an 18-yard catch on an out at the sideline, very reliably, you yeah. and and if you need him to have a decent game for you, he's going to catch most of his targets. And if you don't, he's he quietly goes about whatever you ask him to do. We were concerned that, you know, your fourth receiver was going to need to play special teams. That didn't really become a thing, and uh, he's going to be a free agent. He could probably go find slightly better opportunity somewhere. He benefited from Humphreys missing all those games with the ankle, but I think he's kind of one of those guys that, like, you get something from him when you need something from him, and those are the kind of guys that help complete a team. Yeah, that,
0: and and that's all well and good, but I think if you're Tajay Sharp, you're you're thinking – I'm out the door here and you know, the, the thing we heard about him all season long was he's our number one backup at all three wide receiver positions, and, and you're, you're right, there's, there's value there, and, and I think you, if you were to break down those 25 catches, I, I think it's clear he made some of them at each of those positions, and that's worthwhile, but this is a guy who the majority of his first three, well, two seasons, because he missed 2017 with an injury, but the majority of games he played in 2016 and 2018, he was a starter. So my guess is he looks at himself as a guy who has been passed over on this roster now between Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and A.J. Brown, and and he probably considers himself a starter in this league and will want to go out and find himself an opportunity to be a starter again because it's, uh, it, that's not going to be the case here with the Titans at this point. So I, I don't expect Tajay Sharp to be back.
1: It'll be interesting to see how the market views him. Khalif Raymond is a nice story, everybody he loves him he's almost like a mascot type he, he uh, overcame being cut a bunch 5'8 182 was the deep threat for the team and made a handful of big plays what I think this offense needs is like a much better version of Khalif Raymond to complete the weaponry they need a real vertical threat who would be on the field more regularly like at least as often as Tajay Sharp was on the field and maybe stealing snaps from Corey Davis where you had A.J. Brown, uh, Humphreys in the slot, and then the better Khalif Raymond um on the field more often. They need that vertical threat. Obviously, A.J. Brown was getting vertical. A lot of it was yards after the catch, so you need that guy to take the top off the defense. I've been talking about that for years, the same way we've been talking about pass rusher for years. But – uh I'd be surprised if Khalif Raymond makes it out of another camp if they actually go get a speed guy. Well,
0: but his, his value as a kickoff returner helps him, and uh, I mean, they—they they thought
1: enough. He wasn't him great at, kick- at that either.
0: Well, but but they thought enough of him in that regard that they actually cut Darius Jennings midseason and and went with Khalif Raymond because they thought they needed more out of that job and and Darius Jennings was coming off a, a 2018 season in which he set the franchise record and led the NFL in in kickoff returns. So uh, you know I I think they I think they feel like. Raymond has that elite speed you know, in a perfect world, you're looking at him like, okay, he's sort of a Tyreek Hill for us. And, and, you know, he, he he is a long way from Tyreek Hill at this point, but a smaller guy who has some elite speed, I, I think you, you know, you, you give him the opportunity in training camp, as Floyd Reese used to say when he was general manager. You know, every year you want you want a guy to show you a little something more, and when they stop showing you something more, that's when you're done with them. And and I think Raymond has done enough to to be back next year and say, show us a little something more.
1: Yeah, but hopefully there's an actual guy who's closer to Tyree Hill. <laughs> Who then makes him expendable? Yeah. You're listening to the Paul Kuharsky podcast, part of paulkuharsky.com. I am brought to you by Yazoo Brew. I'm sure Dave is familiar. What's your favorite Yazoo? Yeah, I'm a Hefeweizen guy. I uh, I am I'm a big uh, Gerst guy. He's a Gerst guy. Yazoo is great to me. They sponsor this podcast and they have for some time. I will hope that you will be great to them. So Super Bowl's coming. When you go watch the game somewhere, pony up to the bar and order it. Or if you're going to a friend's house, grab a case and take it over there. If you're hosting the party, fill up your fridge or or get a keg i think you can get a keg i hope you can get a keg they're great to me be great to them we appreciate them uh let's finish this part of the pod and stick with pass catchers and some blockers at tight end uh johnny smith a lot of people asking me as the season went on like is he going to be a tight end one and i guess they're asking like in terms of like Do I want him on my fantasy team? I don't know if you're going to want him on your fantasy team because he's going to be, uh, you know, this is a game-planning team and a game-planning team some weeks might feature the tight end and some weeks it might not. And he's going to make a big play here and there, and sometimes he's not. But he's definitely this team's number one tight end, and I don't know that they're going out with all the needs that they're going to have looking for a tight end. I think he's very safely the number one tight end on this team. And then I think the guys behind him, you might, you know, Anthony Ferkser is a very sure-handed guy. Michael Pruitt, I think, did a little better than I expected as, as the blocking guy, and some got taken off of his plate when Kari Blossengame arrived as the fullback. Um, you know, I think there could be some upgrading there, but I, I think Johnny Smith is safely at the head of the line there.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I I and you know, whatever happens with Delaney Walker and Delaney Walker has said he wants to be back and uh yeah, he's not you know let's, back. let's let's say well, I mean but let's say he does come back. If he comes back it it's as john o. Smith's backup at this point. I, I don't you know, I don't think there's any question about that. When what we saw from Janu this year, it was a was a real maturing in in terms of his uh his uh, his understanding of of just how to make plays in the NFL and he's a uh, I mean, he's a he's a big man physically. He he I believe led all tight ends in yards after the catch or I know most of the year he did and uh uh, you know that's a uh, they're they're not what they're looking for from their tight end now is to your point about like fantasy value is different from the from when Delaney Walker was having his heyday, which was Marcus Mariota needs a security blanket you know Marcus Mariota is now a thing of the past they had ryan tannehill who could who could read the field better get the you know get the ball to the right spots and kind of spread it all over so they're not looking for a guy to to be that safety valve on every single pass play now so you're right he, he's not going to have the same number of receptions but he is he is absolutely a, a good quality number one tight end
1: and they have aj brown now so they don't have to be super tight end reliant because they have a wide receiver they could rely on hey we're going to head to part two here on the other side of the line if you will uh my guest is david beauclair of si.com and if you want more of this, you got to be a member of the site. So most of you are smart enough to uh, to be part of the club on the other side. If you're not, paulkoharski.com. It's the price of a cup of coffee or a fancy cocktail. Sign up because uh, then you get members-only Periscope, Facebook Lives, everything I write scouting reports from Blake Bedingfield, previews and reviews of games and roster analysis and the like, and the other side of a podcast like this when I get on a quality guest. We'll be right back on the other side.
0: The Paul Kiharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkaharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L now.com.